Well, you ready? <laughs> I'm not sure I am. Um, hopefully you will have your Bibles open too. Okay, let's try that again. You will have your Bibles open too. Matthew 24, that's exactly right. And um, here we go. Today, we go to war. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And there's a, there's a um, strange reality to that statement. Um, you could actually say, today we are at war. But the, uh, the title of the sermon today is, War is Upon Us, So Don't Be Afraid. I, I've been anxious to tell you this story all week long. You know, it's cool when, when you get to be my age that you learn something new is pretty fun. <laughs> you know, if you feel like, yeah, I, I've heard it all, I've seen it all, but when you, find, when, you, when you read about something and it's a new story, it's so fun, and I couldn't wait to tell you this um, today. So some historians believe that the first fully recorded war in human history was between a man called, a leader called Pharaoh Tutmos of Egypt and you're going to recognize this name, the king of the Canaanites. You've heard of that name before, right? The Canaanites? Well, on April 16th in 1457 B.C., both armies squared off, and they each had 10,000 men on their side. Well, it didn't take very long for the Egyptians to get on top of the war, on top of the battle, and they drove the Canaanites back into their walled city called Megiddo, and then they sacked the city seven months later. Egyptians sacked the city and took over the city and destroyed the city. Okay, so the interesting thing about that war is its location. And this is something I had never heard before. Okay, so this is the battle between the Egyptians and the Canaanites. It's the first recorded war, the first recorded war in human history. And it occurred in a place called the Valley of Armageddon. That's in Israel. The battle was actually called the Battle of Megiddo. Now here's a picture of the Valley of Armageddon. This is standing up on a high point. This is probably um, Mount Carmel where this picture is taken from. And um, you can see this great vast plain um, that is out there. Go to the next picture, you guys. There's a map here so you could just get orientated to where it is. So here is Megiddo, and this is the Jezreel Valley. This is the Valley of Armageddon right here. So up in here you have the Mediterranean Sea. Over here you have the Sea of Galilee. Jerusalem's down in this area somewhere. So you can get the idea of where this is in Israel, where this first battle of all time um, in, in human history that recorded, fully recorded battle took place. Today, I've been there. I've stood there in that spot and overlooked the Valley of Armageddon Today, it's a lush, it's a huge, lush agricultural plain, but throughout the history of mankind, it has been a staging point for hundreds, literally hundreds of battles and conflicts. Napoleon himself said this, this is the perfect battlefield. Now, are you awake right now and listening? Are you ready for this? Listen to this. This valley, the Valley of Armageddon, is the exact valley, is the exact spot, actually, where the Antichrist, in the book of Revelation, is described, will set up his base of operations to stage the final war in human history. It's described in Revelation 16, 16, where it says, then they gathered the kings together 
to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Is this as cool to you as it is to me? I mean, this is like, this is crazy, because our planet, listen to this, our planet has a surface of more than 57 million square miles, and yet the very first and the very last recorded battles in all of human history were and will be fought in the exact same place. These two wars, they say, serve as bookends to the history of human warfare. And between them, between those bookends, are all the atrocities of the bloody conflicts of humankind. But Jesus warns us in Matthew 24, and he says this, in all of the wars of human history recorded that you can know about, you haven't seen anything yet. Dissension and hatred and warring are going to increase in intensity and in frequency on a global scale as we near the end. And he's telling us about it here in Matthew 24, verses six and seven. Look at it with me. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So the first thing we want to learn from the Lord Jesus, right from his lips today from the scriptures, is that war is upon us. I want you to keep in mind what we're talking about here. I described it again last week. I want to tell you again that we are talking about birth pains that are building up to the time of the great tribulation that will end, the great tribulation will end in the destruction of evil on the earth at the battle of Armageddon. But look back at verse six and seven again of Matthew 24. Jesus says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then he goes on to say it will become a global, on a global scale in verse seven, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So what we're going to see rising up and will culminate in the end time of the tribulation will be a global war that is going to happen where nations come against nations and kingdom against kingdom. But we're going to hear of wars, and we're going to hear of rumors of wars. Those are two important words. That word rumors in the Greek language can actually be translated in two ways, either a report of something or the sound of something. So we are either, what he's talking about is you're gonna hear either a report of wars or the sound of wars. What's interesting is I studied this out that Many Bible scholars believe that the best translation of this word rumors is the word sounds of war or the noise of war. If that's the case, and that's how you, we should interpret that word rumors, then what it means is that we will hear of wars and then we'll hear the sounds of wars. In other words, you will hear about wars that are far away and you're going to hear back about wars in your own backyard. You're going to actually hear the sounds of the wars in your cities and in your towns right in your backyard. Other Bible scholars believe it's on a greater scale, that the wars and rumors of wars are talking more about a large-scale global war, like a world war. So what's Jesus saying? Are we gonna go to World War III? I don't know. Your heads are not, some are nodding, some are shaking your head. The rest of us are like, I don't know. I don't know. It's possible. 
as you look at what's happening in our world today, you think we can't help but enter into another world war. But we don't know that for sure. Whatever the case is, and whatever that word rumors means, we know Jesus is telling us that there are going to be an increase of wars everywhere and they will increase in intensity and in frequency. And I just wanna say to you, right now where we are in human history, war is upon us. If that's a surprise to you today, because I'm talking literally, war is upon us. If that's a surprise to you today, you need to open your eyes and start to listen to the sounds of the beating war drums that are happening off in the distance that are coming closer and closer to us here today. All you gotta do is turn on the news. The right kind of news. You know, if you're gonna get an accurate representation of what's actually happening out in the world and what's happening that we're not being told is happening, but I'm telling you that, the, that war is escalating right before our very eyes on a daily basis. Most of it's happening over in Europe. Most of it's happening in the Middle East where all of it is happening, but it is happening and it is, it is the war machine is cranking up. I am not here to tell you to be afraid. We're gonna talk about this today, okay? I'm not here to like ring the alarm, you know, like I'm here to tell you, we need to have our eyes open to what's actually happening in our world, my friends. So that we, when we see it, Jesus is doing us a favor here by telling it it's gonna happen. The worst thing that the Christians can do, his people can do, is stick their head in the sand and not realize and see it happening that he told us was going to happen. He wants us to know this in advance so that we know how to live in the midst of it. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're talking about this. Did you know that long, are, long gone are the days, my friends, of David and Goliath? when the Philistines line up on one side of a, of a valley and the Israelites on the other side and they send their champions to the middle and say, you guys fight it out and whoever wins the battle, the other side will give in and, and give up to you. Those days are gone. The kind of warfare we're looking at right now and that we're facing is on a global scale is nuclear war. It's a very, very different thing with very different outcomes. Did you know that nine countries possess nuclear weapons, representing over 1,300 weapons of mass destruction? Russia has amassed the world's largest collection of nuclear weapons, and in the, the hands of Putin, that a brutal dictator has threatened to use them against Ukraine. China is surrounding Taiwan with warships has their missile silos ready to launch at any moment. Experts on China tell us this, and I'm quoting, China is preparing to shape the 21st century much as the US shaped the 20th, and now possess a challenge unlike any that the United States has ever faced. Heaven forbid that Iran ever acquire a nuclear weapon. Right? Man, how do I talk about this stuff? 
without it sounding like I'm, I'm against a certain kind of people or a certain race of people or a certain nation. Um, I'm not against any people. I'm against a wicked worldview, religious worldview, that is seeking out the destruction of everything good. And Iran, uh, just last week, they were boasting of their first ballistic missile capable of carrying a nuclear warhead. One of their commanders confirmed the release of their first hypersonic missile. Now Israel, who always has a weary eye towards Iran, they have intelligence that makes them believe that Iran already has at least five nuclear weapons that are hidden underground, and Netanyahu, last week, he said this, Israel is getting ready for a multi-front war in the near future like we have never experienced. War is upon us, and there's enough firepower right now to reduce the planet to a ball of burnt carbon, literally. But hear me, hear me loud and clear. That's not going to happen. And I can say that with confidence because, and you can say that with confidence because we have biblical prophecy that will tell us that that's not going to happen. (laughs) Here I go, Pastor John, save me. (laughs) Save me from going to a place I shouldn't go over here. Listen, listen to this, (laughs) listen to this. Israel will not get blown off the face of the earth. Do you know why? Because prophecy tells us that they're going to be there. They're going to be there at the end, so they're not going to get blown up by Iran. So stop worrying about that. Okay? Now, there's all kinds of battles going on. They're shooting rockets over there and everything, but they're not going to wipe Israel off the map. Do you know that Iran's not going to get blown off the face of the map? Or Russia, or China, or Turkey, or Egypt or some of the other Middle Eastern countries that are surrounding you. You know why? Because they have to be here to fight the Ezekiel 38 war. Okay, so that's not gonna happen. I got some really bad news for you. Listen to us laugh. U.S. isn't mentioned anywhere in the end times. Okay, how many want to be honest and say that scares me? Okay, yeah, I mean, there's, that's frightful. That actually is terrifying. I don't know what to say about that. I don't know what to say about it because I can't point to a scripture passage in prophecy that says, United States, don't worry about it. But I can count to all, I can, I can point you to all kinds of scripture passages that tell you, don't worry about it. Tell you, Christian American citizens, Christians of all, of all nations, you don't need to worry about it. Even though it's horrible, I wanna say this. 
As we get closer to the end, we get closer to the rapture. As we get closer to these things that Jesus is teaching in Matthew 24, we are closer and closer and closer to the rapture of the church. And at any moment, Jesus is going to come for his church and rapture us home. And this intensity of war and frequency of war will give full birth to a series of wars unknown to man, finally reaching its climax at Armageddon. And that battle of Armageddon will end with the one, the one who rides in on a white horse whose name is faithful and true. And who is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. At that point, at that great battle in the valley of Armageddon, he will destroy his great enemies and he'll set up his kingdom. And the scripture promises us where there will be peace and justice forever. Here's my point. As terrifying as things may seem in the world, you and I can take heart in knowing that it all leads to Jesus. Every bit of it. Christian, it all leads to Jesus because you're gonna be raptured home before all this massive carnage takes place. But for everyone and everything in the earth, it all leads to the end and it all leads to Jesus and his victory. And we are victors in him. Does that encourage you? Yes. Okay, well, let's keep going and look at how war is a curse. It is. It robs us of our peace. Did you know this blew me away, this statistic? We have only experienced 268 years of peace in the last 3,400 years. That's crazy, you guys. What that means is that only 8% of human history has been peaceful. And the PTSD of all of that warring lasts for decades into the peacetime. I didn't know this until I studied this this week. C.S. Lewis, did you know he was in World War I? He was serving on the front lines during World War I when they were hit by an exploding shell that wounded him and sent him home but killed his sergeant who was standing right beside him. This is what he writes of his memory of war. My memories of the war haunted my dreams for years. I'm not a pacifist. If it's got to be, it's got to be. But the flesh is weak and selfish, and I think death would be much better than to live through another war. Many of you have served in battle, and you know firsthand exactly what he means and what he's talking about. I remember my uncle gathering his, I was his, his nephews and his, his grandkids and everybody around and telling us just horrible, horrible stories of World War II. I remember sitting there, our eyes just got so big as he was telling us these stories. And I remember as a young boy, um, seeing the shell of a man that my cousin Danny had become after returning home from Vietnam. He's in his late 70s now and he's still... He's, he's never been the same. He's never fully recovered. War is devastating and robs us of our peace, but it also kills our children. Billions of people have died in the world's wars and conflicts. Most of them, most of them, have been our young men and our young women. Last Monday, I had the privilege of participating in the Middlebury Memorial Day parade and uh, memorial service. And 
at the end, I've never been part of this before, um, we all went down, we all walked to a cemetery and there was a war memorial there and we sat there um, at, as the reading of 2,800 names of men and women who have died through all the major conflicts that the U.S. has had, and those were just the names of Elkhart County. And I thought, my word, as I stood there and listened to name after name after name, and, and some of the names were like the last name was the same forever, and I thought, what, what a huge devastation to those families. Our history soaked with blood, it's saturated with sorrow, it's dominated by massive armies that are led by wicked men that now, my friends, have the potential to unleash a worldwide holocaust. War is a terrible thing. And I, I need to say this to you, okay? As, as bad as war is, sometimes it's a necessary evil, which makes war a a paradox because while war is awful and brings with it all kinds of carnage and pain if it weren't for those who were and are willing to stand and fight for that which is right then we would not be free we would not be able to sit here in the freedom that we have today and are we grateful come on are we grateful yes we are Freedom isn't free. Sometimes in our culture, the culture and society we're living in today, especially here in America, the honor and the respect given to those who serve in our military and quite frankly, our peace officers who go to war every day in our streets to protect us from the evil that is abounding and growing that honor and the respect has diminished to a very unhealthy level. Let me say this. The Bible doesn't honor war, but it sure honors those who are willing to go to war against evil and fight for right. And think about this. War produces heroes and brings out the best in those whose cause is righteous. Without just wars, evil cannot be hindered. The Hitlers of the world would not be stopped and the wicked dictators would abound. That's just reality. And it makes me stop and ask the question, why, why is there conflict in war? Why do we hate each other? And why do we fight each other? Why do we try to dominate each other? Why do the nations rage against each other? What is the cause of war? Well, I can give you the answer, and it's very simple, and it's very unfortunate. But the answer is simply this. It's the human heart. Did you know that we can trace war and human conflict all the way back to Adam and Eve who disobeyed God that we talked about last week? 
That disobedience against God is called sin, and that sin caused what is called a vertical rupture in the man's relationship with God, and that vertical rupture actually produced a corresponding horizontal rupture between people in general. So Adam and Eve, they sin against God, and it breaks the relationship and the fellowship to where they hid from God. The next thing we know, Cain kills Abel, and war and conflict have been with us ever since. What is going on with this? What is, go, what is, the, core, what is the, the, the root problem here? Well, the Bible tells us that it's in our hearts and that our hearts are twisted and broken. Jeremiah 17, nine says this, the heart, the human heart, is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? My friends, you need to hear this. Everyone needs to hear this. Sin broke us. We are selfish beings. We are arrogant to the bone. We want what we want when we want it from whomever has that thing that we want when we want it. Do you get that? That's you and me. If you don't believe me, look at James chapter four, verses one through three. And apply this to what we're talking about on a global scale, okay? What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? Do you see the language being used here? There are things that are warring within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Do you see this, my friends? Do you see what's happening here? This is the root cause of all conflict and war in our world today. We are in desperate need of help. I know you would agree with me on this. That if we aren't mindful, you and me, then this warring and conflict may come from our own hands. Listen, every single day is a battle, and if we don't put on the whole armor of God, we're toast. We are totally valuable to the attack of evil that comes upon us and our loved ones. There, is, there are many forms of war. There is the war where a, a dictator or a people group want to dominate some other dictator or people group and, and amass land for themselves and possessions for themselves, and they war in that way. But there is a greater war that is going on that you and I need to understand, and it's going on in the world, and it's been happening since the very first moment that Satan decided to rebel against God, and that is the war for the souls of mankind. That war is going on on a daily basis. In fact, the scripture describes Satan as one who is blinding the eyes of those who are lost to keep them lost because he wants their souls. And there is a battle going on between good and right. <laughs> Rewind that. There is a battle going on between good and evil in the world. And Satan is at work every single day and so should we. It's not, it's not a coincidence that the Bible describes what we are going through in the world today as a battle, a spiritual battle. 
There is a warfare that is going on and we need to armor up and be the people that God wants us to be in this world and stand for righteousness because they're coming after us. Unholy beings, wickedness is trying to conquer the world. I am so ticked off about this. They have figured it out. If we can indoctrinate their little ones, then we can create a whole race of people to do exactly what we want them to do. You want a furry fandom update? Do you remember furry fandom? These are the people that dress up in furry things and they do weird things with each other. Study it. It's, it's not innocent, my friends. They want you to believe it's just innocent. It's just a bunch of adults dressing up like animals. No, it is not. So, furry fandom conference, convention, is coming to Florida. Thank God for Florida. Thank God that Florida is willing to stand up and stand for right, at least for right now. And so Florida passed a bill that forbids anyone, any minors, to attend or register for any adult conference or adult activity where there is, and they even, they even, they didn't say any adult thing, they said any adult thing that is going to have sexually explicit um, activities or content. So they qualified it. So if you're planning an adult event, a furry fandom event, and it's innocent, it's like, it's like a global trunk or treat, well then kids can come. But if you're not going to do that and you're gonna have sexually explicit activity at your event, then Florida said illegal for little kids to, to attend that. Thank God for that, right? That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Of course it does. So the furry fandom people, they put it in their advertisement that no one under 18 can come. Why? Why? Because they're planning to do sexually explicit things. There is an explosion around that. This is what just irritates the daylights out of me. There is an explosion around that of criticism for Ron DeSantis in Florida because we're protecting children from a bunch of adults that are dressing up in animal costumes doing sexually explicit things with each other. Tell me there's not a war going on for the hearts and minds of our children. What normal-minded person that's not twisted in their view of sexuality would think that that's okay to put little kids where there's explicit sexual activity gonna go on between a bunch of adults dressed up as furries. I, listen, that's just one thing. We could go on and on and on all day. I've already taken way too much time, and now you're gonna sit and pay for it because we gotta finish this. <laughs> listen, there's a quote that says, goes like this. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men or good women to do nothing. I'm telling you, friends, we have got to stand up for righteousness. Amen. We have got to go to war on righteousness, for, for righteousness against evil. And we need to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. Jesus warns us, war is upon us. 
Okay, I'm trying to figure out how to fast forward this now. Let's, let's go to the next thing, okay? Because the next thing he said was pretty surprising to them. The next thing he said was, don't be afraid. Matthew 24, 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. See to it that you are not alarmed. That word alarmed means to panic or to scream out. So what Jesus is saying is wars are all around you. Don't panic. Now, answer the question, my friends, because I don't know how to answer it. How, how is that possible? You're, especially if it means you're gonna hear the sounds of war. So what you're gonna see is happening is, is an increase of wars and the sounds of war. So you're gonna hear about wars far away. You're gonna hear about wars in your backyard. How is it possible to not panic in the midst of all of that? Come on. Reality is you want to panic. That's why Jesus, otherwise, Jesus wouldn't warn us against it. There's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. And don't be afraid. You ask yourself, how do you do that? How do you live in the midst of conflict and not be troubled by it? Well, it's all wrapped up in one word. It's a very profound word, but it's a very simple word. Peace. And you'd be like, peace? Peace is the opposite of war. Exactly. What Jesus is saying is, you don't have to panic when the wars come. You can be at peace in the middle of war. Of course, not by ourselves. We know that. If it were up to us, we would all be panicking and freaking out. We can't conjure this peace up. It is a peace, the scripture says, that comes from God to his people. It is a peace that passes our ability to understand it. It's supernatural. It guards our hearts and our minds in the middle of the conflict and in the middle of the stress. That is, the scripture says, if we turn to him in the midst of the conflict. We have to bring it to him. We've gotta turn it to him. We've gotta bring our petitions before him with thanksgiving, the scripture says, and when you do that, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds and will come to you. We get peace from God's promises. Back to your notes. You may be as angry and discouraged about this and grieved by all this as I am, but the message to me, Phil, the message, Phil, is let not your heart be troubled. This won't last forever. It has a definite end. Here's a promise for all of us, okay? Write this down, Psalm 46, 9. He, God, causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. When speaking of Jesus' coming kingdom, Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 2.4, this prophesied this. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. One author said it like this. I've got it on the screen for you. It will be a time when war will be utterly unknown. Not a single armament plant will be operating. Not a soldier or sailor will be in uniform. No military camps will exist. And not one cent will be spent for defensive or offensive warfare. Can you imagine such an age when all nations shall be at perfect peace? This is not merely imagination. It is certain and unquestionable. As certain as the sun rises and sets. And you might ask the question, how can he say that? Well, he could say it because he's read the promises of God and God promised it. Amen. And my friends, that day is just around the corner, I promise you. 
It could be seven years away, the fulfillment of that prophecy. Like, how, how do you figure that? Well, there is nothing that needs to happen scripturally or prophetically for the rapture of the church to happen. So let's say the rapture happened today. Three people are excited about the rapture possibly happening today, you know. I mean, I would think somebody would start, you know, doing the rapture drill at that moment, Michael. Yeah, all right. If, if the rapture happens today, then the tribulation begins. And seven years of the tribulation, we know that, seven years. It's not figurative, it's, 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 it's literal. So literally, in, if, if it happened today, if the rapture happened today, seven years from now, we're fulfilling the prophecy that there will be peace. The promise of peace. We also get peace from God's presence. And you might be like, don't we talk about this all the time? Yes, we do. And we will never stop talking about this because if we want to live victoriously over fear and doubt in the world that we live in today, then we must keep reminding ourselves about God's and Christ's continual forever presence with us. He never says something like this. Go ahead, go out into the war. I'll be back. I'll be here waiting for you when you get back. He, he never says that. It's quite the opposite. This is what he says, come on, let's go to war. Deuteronomy 20, verse three says this, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Write that down somewhere. <laughs> put it on a poster and put it in the, right back at the door as you walk out. Do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. You know why I would tell you to do that? Because every single day you're going out to fight the great enemy, your great enemy, the devil. You're not fighting people. Keep reminding yourself that. I'm not going out to fight a bunch of people. I'm going out to fight a battle against the spiritual darkness that is in our world and at work today. But this is the promise to you. Don't be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. How can you say that? For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you victory. I'm telling you people, write that on a poster and put it on your door. Not convinced? Want another one? Deuteronomy 31.8. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. How is that? How awesome is that promise? He will be with you. He will ne neither fail you nor abandon you. Still not convinced? Oh, that's Old Testament, Phil. Got anything in the New Testament? Yes, we do. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. God has said, I will never fail you and never abandon you. He's referencing the old. But then he says, so, because of that, because God has promised that, we can say with confidence, he's talking to you and me right now, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere men do to me? Amen. How awesome is that? You know, this thing in Ukraine is just horrible. It just seems to be going on and on and on. But a Christian woman has been recorded as saying this. She, and speaking on behalf of the Ukrainian people, she said this. When the trouble comes, we cry. When it gets bad, we pray. When it becomes unbearable, we sing. She said that the Ukrainians have written thousands of songs since the war has begun. She said, Ukraine has always been religious, but now Ukraine is turning to God. 
Listen, my friends, peace in the conflict, our ability to sing in the darkness, it all comes from the one who said this in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with the gift of peace. The peace I give you is a gift that cannot come from the world. So don't let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Let me close with this, Matthew 24, 6, one more time. See to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. You know, it seems like all of history is like this cosmic chess match between God and Satan. But there's no question who's winning. And we know what is prophesied will happen at the end of it all, and we can be at perfect peace if our mind is laser focused on Christ and his word and his promises to us, whether we live or die, amen? Amen. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What are we worried about? Peace is found in trusting the person who controls all the things that we can't control. He's got it all planned out, And how cool is it that he told us in advance what's coming so that we won't be surprised or panicked when it all comes about. So it's true that war is upon us on multiple fronts, but we are to trust the one who holds your life. Trust in the one who holds your heart. Trust in the one who holds your soul in his hands. That's what the scripture says. And don't be afraid. I love this quote. We live in a world that will be at war from Armageddon to Armageddon. But we serve the Lord who reigns from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. So Father, we need your help. Um, wake us up, Lord. Wake us up to what's really going on. Awaken our hearts and our minds and awaken the courage inside of us to stand for righteousness, to stand up and speak out the truth, to lovingly work in our world with the truth. You have given us that ability through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, every single one of my brothers and sisters here, they all have influence. They all have a sphere of influence that you have given to them, on purpose given to them. Help us to be, how did your word say it? wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. Help us to figure that out and give us the supernatural ability to stand strong for you. We commit again in in a fresh way today to you that we don't hold our lives so dear as to not be willing to sacrifice completely for you in whatever way you want to use us. Give us courage and give us strength. Help us to not be afraid as we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit 
and in the power of the community of believers as we stand together. Encourage our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Love you. God bless you guys as you go. Go strong in the Lord.